Come on and do the twist with us as we look at the horror films of writer-director M. Night Shyamalan. This is Devil Times 5. Yo, what's happening guys? According to the signs, this is show 27 of Devil Times 5, so don't split, stick with it as we go on a visit through Shyamalan's filmography and see what's in it. Ho! Hello, my name's Cliff Barnes and my fellow M. Knights of the Roundtable are Den of Geek writer CJ Lyons and comedians Emily McQuaid, Brian Eno and our brand new devil, Luke Poulton. Hello. Welcome aboard, Luke. Thanks for joining us. Horror fan, stand up and a bit of a YouTuber too. Yep. That's me. Cool. (laughs) Good. Well, we'll get to know you. (laughs) 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 Look at that. (laughs) It's our first time meeting. Uh, right, now well, let's kick things off as ever with our highs and lows from the last month of horror viewing. So, Emily, um, I've I only watched two films that weren't by Mr. Silly Man, um, which, as I've come to know him over the month, um, the two films I've watched were both actually quite dodgy. But um, I think there's not really much to choose between what's my high and my low. But my low, I'm going to go for Cockneys versus Zombies. Oh, I know a guy who worked on that. It's really good. Mm. Uh, it's it's got some good bits in it, and I absolutely love the end theme song because you know a couple of months ago we said, oh, imagine if Chaz and Dave did a horror soundtrack. <laughs> actually, Chaz Hodges from Chaz and Dave did, and it's fucking brilliant. Um, oh wow! So that that's the best thing about that film, and that and the guy that played Brick Top in Snatch saying, "Get the fuck out of my yeah. East End." <laughs> but apart from there's that, there's a brilliant there's a brilliant zombie chase scene between the guy from The Good Life on a Zimmer frame and a zombie that's got like no legs. Yeah, that's one of the highlights. Is it Richard Briers? Richard Briers. Yeah, that was the last yeah. movie that Richard Briers made. He plays a slightly pervy yeah. old man on a Zimmer frame, and um, the scenes in the old people's home are great. It's the sub lock stock other um, plot line that's a little bit crap. It's not a terrible yeah. film. It's just a bit bad. It's just your usual sort of post Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, British zombie movie, but it has its moments. Okay. Um, and my highlight, if I can possibly call it that, is a me in the sort of continuing series of Emily watches weird shit from the seventies. Though this film was actually made in 1980, but it's so seventies that everyone making it was probably wearing blue eyeliner at the time. Um, there's a film called Harlequin, aka Dark Forces. Um, and um, I quite like that. It's got some good stupid chroma key special effects and it's got Robert Powell who played Jesus in Jesus of Nazareth, which was every favourite hungover PE teacher's video to put on in the 80s and 90s. Not at my school. Not at your school? No. <laughs> what, did your, what did they put on at your school when the RE teacher had a hangover? RE? I thought you said PE. No, not PE. Did I say PE? <laughs> you said PE. Did I? Okay, we were Catholic, but we weren't that Catholic. I've got a hangover. Instead of running around, let's all think about Jesus and watch Lovejoy hang himself with Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, um, but yeah, Harlequin is is mental. It's it's got um, uh, Robert Powell as kind of a glam rock version of Rasputin, um, kind of gobbing fire at people, and um, it's just camp and ridiculous. I quite liked it. Yeah, it's written by Everett Deroche, who I think is one of the greatest screenwriters ever. I don't think it's one of his better films, but um, you can rely on Everett de Roche for an original idea. Mm. And, yeah. Oh, it's definitely that. Mm, definitely. Uh, CJ? Mm. Uh, my high, start with the high. Uh, last month I, I said uh, it was the Indonesian trilogy, The Doll. Um, oh, yeah. And I've come back with another trilogy. It's a Russian trilogy this time. Uh, it, it was actually released as a miniseries in Russia in six parts uh, called uh, Gogol. 
uh, and it's based on the writings of Nikolai Gogol. Uh, and it's kind of six short stories that they've taken of his uh, and just kind of turned it into one overarching narrative. Uh, and it's just bonkers. There's so many witches, vampires, devils, uh, and this poor guy, Alexandra Petrov, who plays Gogol, just has to look varying degrees of terrified as they all come at him. Uh, and it, and it's, it's great. Uh, really, really recommend it if you like macabre, gothic nonsense. It's kind of like what Tim Burton would do if he was still any good and he was Russian. Right. works for me. Um, uh, my next door neighbour used to have a cat called Goggle, but the way that she pronounced it when she was calling him was with Goggle. So that's, that's, what, that's, that's nice. the film I'd like to see called Goggle. <laughs> um, and my low uh, was something that a friend brought round to one of our regular movie nights. Um, it was called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Ooh. And uh, we all message each other the next day, and I think we all got film poisoning from it because we all had like <laughs> stomach aches, headaches. All, all felt like we had a terrible hangover after watching it. So um, yeah, that's that's a testament to Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. It's a very, very, very low budget Canadian film, just shot by a bunch of alternative types in Ottawa who had no money. They had a bit of sixteen millimeter film uh, and just decided to make this incomprehensible semi-musical semi-kung fu movie about jesus christ uh beating up vampires in ottawa and that sounds so much fun but it is excruciatingly dull like like it's so it's one of those films that's only about 80 minutes but you feel like you've spent your whole life in there and it's just (laughs) horrible i i do not recommend that would you recommend it for hungover pe teachers to put on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think it would actually uh suit hungover pe teachers quite well if nothing oh. else i'm sure the whole class could appreciate the tagline of uh the power of christ impales you oh that's amazing <laughs> that's good. That's good. Good. i need to seek this out i'm gonna run it <laughs> no, don't don't put to. yourself through it don't trust me all right right luke uh i think my high is gonna be us uh oh, cool just really enjoyed that um I don't, I don't want to go too much into it because I feel like if I go too much into it, it spoils quite a lot as well. But sure. I, just, I just thought it was uh, very well made and uh, quite creepy. Well, creepy at points, but it was funny as well. And they went, like, there was some surprise in there, but there was parts where I sort of knew what was going to happen just from little slight things they were doing there. Um, I don't think it's as good as Get Out, but I still thought it was, was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I agree. There was points where I thought, well, this is just a home invasion movie and it's not one of the better home invasion movies. But I like how it all ended up. I thought it was thought it was cool. I thought the idea of um, taking the Hands Across America event as an inspiration for a horror film was a really wild idea. So I like that. Uh, yeah, I didn't know where they were going to go with that at the beginning, yeah. sh- showing the advert. I'm not sure they knew where they were going to go with that by the end, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, but... <laughs> You didn't like it, did you? I didn't, no. I, I, I think there was a lot in it to like. I understand why you'd like it. You know, it's very, very well shot, very well acted. Uh, I just wish it didn't feel four drafts away from being filmable. It just felt like it could have been so good if they just, like, tidied it up a lot, lost about 40 minutes. Um, mm. just, I don't know. It just, it just felt really rushed to me and, and didn't make entire sense. I think it does go on for a bit too long when they're in the house. Mm. Um, everyone says that they think Lupita's her voice is creepy, but 
I, I, I felt a bit too forced with it. I see. I, I loved it the very first time she did it. I thought, whoa, that's creepy. And then the more she spoke in that voice, the dafter it got. And certainly, without spoiling anything, but the, the gigantic monologue that she delivers in that voice was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> By the end of that, I was like, yeah, that's not creepy at all. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence with whether her voice was creepy. It started off creepy and then got less creepy. I'd recommend people who liked it, the Japanese film from, I think, 2014, By Location, which is another doppelganger-based film. Uh, that's quite okay. good. I don't know if you saw Cam. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was. I think that's another good sort of. Yeah, that was great. Doppelganger film. Um, so my low. Uh, I sort of have two lows. If that's if that's okay to do. Um, <gasps> yeah. Turn up here with your two lows. <laughs> Break the format. Uh, Lords of Chaos is my yes. first one. Um, just I find it weird to have a film about Norwegian black metal but have every single person played by either American people or Swedish people. I just <laughs> thought that was a bit weird. Uh, Rory Culkin puts on one of the most weirdest Norwegian accents and then loses it halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tries a bit too hard to be disturbing, um, but it and does a lot of stuff that never really happened. Um, but yeah, that's sort of why it's my low. This is interesting. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it on Tuesday. Um, but um, CJ, your problem with it is that it's not true to the real story i haven't got a clue it's not, about it's not story. No, 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 no 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 it's not it's not it's not the real story like i appreciate it even says at the start that it's based on truth and lies so it's not meant to be a, an authentic account it's just that it completely misses the the entire point and spirit of of that scene it treats it like it was basically like motley crew or spinal tap or something it it clearly has nothing but uh, contempt for uh, second wave Norwegian black metal, so it just seems really weird to make a film about something that you clearly just don't like. And, and I think it struggles between being a biopic that wants to venerate its subjects and being a true crime pick that wants to vilify its subjects, and as a result, you don't really get any clear theme or, or message from it. It's just It's just very smug and snarky and I, I just that's a huge black metal fan uh, who was a black metal fan back then as well it just felt really lousy like like this was not the film that that story deserved um, so is that is that your scene too Luke yeah it's 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 odd because they just throw in all these things that never happen in the black metal scene they throw in that one of these the vocalist Euronymous has a girlfriend when in real life he was never known to have a girlfriend and a lot of people believe that he was was gay, so it's it's really odd that they just throw in to try and flesh out a story, but it doesn't work. They, they were trying to add a lot of sex to it because the whole scenes where like Varg is making his way through this like litany of groupies, it's like that guy was playing Dungeons and Dragons more than yeah, he was fucking yeah. anyone. You know, it was, it was a guy that first off didn't drink, didn't do drugs, and everyone said they thought he was a very clean guy, and they make out that he's just this womanizer throughout yeah. the whole film, and it's really odd. Okay, and your other low then. Uh, it's a film called Automator, which I saw at Frightfest, uh, which is set in modern time, but it's about these people finding this living doll, but just played by a human. It's like a mas- uh, this person loses their daughter, then wants these people to make a living doll, uh, and this guy is trying to get the living doll to come to life. Uh, but it f- features uh, a lot of uh, incest, like casual incest throughout the whole film, and it's really atrocious. Uh, Sorry, it's- what was that one called? 
Automator. <laughs> I'm just making a note. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it too much, but it's just... It was meant to be a film that was taken very seriously. It's these guys that are trying to make Hammer Horror films now, trying to make them seem like they're trying to be camp with them, but they're just really bad when they know you know uh, they want to take it seriously but everyone was just laughing at the delivery of every single line in the film so yeah that's right. that's automator okay uh briny oh hello um hello. yeah i've had an issue this month with films yes just because of all the ones that we've had to watch <laughs> yeah. um and you i know i brought this. it on myself i know i thought it would be funny <laughs> it was it was hilarious up until two weeks ago when i was like oh shit i've got to watch all these um <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've been I've been sort of touring the last like three weeks, so I was like, I'm going to watch all these films. I'm going to like get loads of film watching done and watch loads of really good films. And I watched one that I hadn't seen before, and I was like, fuck it. So that's Malo, um, and it's called Await Further Instructions, and it's on Netflix. Um, it is like a Doctor Who episode, but like more of a Torchwood episode, but less sexy. And then I watched it, and I was just like, Do you know what? Oh, I'm just going to watch films that I know and enjoy. So my high is the Purge trilogy because I fucking love the what? Purge trilogy. <laughs> after everything, honestly, I do. I bloody love the Purge movies. And after everything I've been through this month, I've been to Huddersfield. Uh, I just want something. <laughs> I've been to Dis, which is somewhere near Norwich. Um, I just wanted something comforting and cool. And I, I really like the Purge films. I don't care. Sue me. Um so yeah, it's been a weird month. Okay. I mean, the thing about the thing about await further instructions is like it's such an interesting concept. So there's this family, and there's like friction between the family, and it's Christmas Day, and the boy, the son's bringing his girlfriend over, and the family are all like Brexiteers. So it's like, oh no, and his um, girlfriend is Asian, and then they wake up the next day, and the house is like covered in this like weird shell goo shit, and the TV is like just going await further instructions. And the TV basically gives them instructions to just start, you know, they will get paranoid and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. And then at the end, it's like, it feels like the special effects are ripped from um, Torchwood's Children on Earth series, which <laughs> I really enjoyed 10 years ago, but it might be shit now. But it just made me want to watch Torchwood. And then I felt, then I felt dirty and wrong. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It, I don't know, it's just I really want to give British horror a chance, but sometimes it does pump out these absolute clunkers. I mean, that brings me on to my low, which um, oh, yeah. is sad to say, it's uh, Fanged Up, uh, which is directed by Christian James and uh, co-written by Dan Palmer, who did um, Freak Out and Stalled, both of which I love. But this is just a really ordinary vampire slash prison horror. I wish it starred Dan Palmer. It would be hilarious if Dan Palmer was starring in it, but I, re- I reckon they wrote it for him and then... Fucking Daniel O'Reilly, aka Dapper Laughs, became available, and oh, and they thought, guy. oh, yeah, they thought, well, he's popular. So, oh, is he wearing his turtleneck? Uh, I think <laughs> he does. Yeah, I think he does. That's some acting when he wears the turtleneck. <laughs> I thought that was the apologetic turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, that was the news. Turtleneck the news of line. shame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, but it's I mean, multiple the uses. First, the first scene is him running around this place called Club Moist, touching up women and. Oh, she knows. Oh, she knows. No. Yeah. oh, Club Moist. Club Moist. Oh, God. Surely, if brilliant. you are going to a place called Club Moist, a turtleneck is not appropriate attire. <laughs> no, it's going to be very clammy, very claggy knitwear to wear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You want your neck mm. as free as possible. Went uh-huh. down Club Moist, very claggy, very claggy place. 
Anyway, I like Christian James's previous films and I love Dan Palmer. I think he's so funny. So it's a real shame that was a, a bit of a misfire from him. Um, am I high? Uh, well, John Carl Beekler died this month and uh, this is complete by coincidence. I just watched Troll for the first time, um, which I'd, I'd never seen it because it had always been on the video shelves, uh, in the, you know, the video shops when I was a kid. But I think because it had a 15 stiff instead of an 18, I always thought about <laughs> that. It looks shit, but it's brilliant. It's loads of fun. It's, it's, I think it's as Empire Pictures, mm. Empire Films Pictures go, whatever they're called, Empire Pictures, isn't it? As their films go, I think it's up there with something like Dolls. Yeah, it's not it's, quite the um, or from Beyond. It's the same things. writer, isn't it? I think. Is it Ed Nair? Uh, yes, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. he wrote both of those. He, he was always really good at doing those kind of kids' films that are a little bit adult and a bit gory and a bit dark. Yeah. Um, Dolls is one of those films I've never seen because the cover of the video freaked me out when I was a kid. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the doll with the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was proper. It's loads of fun. Oh, it's a brilliant film. Nightmares. It does look really, fun, really though. Yeah, but, but Troll, I mean, just the whole concept of a troll possessing a little girl so that he can turn people into forests. <laughs> when when the first the first guy gets turned into a forest, the effects are so cool. And then there's that that mushroom that lives with the witch. Talks, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I, I want to know if J.K. Rowling was inspired by the uh, Harry Potter Junior in a uh, oh, oh yeah yeah of, of course, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 a character called Harry Potter yeah. <laughs> um, I also watched Troll Two after that, which I'd never seen before either, and that's really good. As as you know, for a Claudio Fragasso film, it's really good. <laughs> There is a Troll 3 out there, but it's got it's con- called Containment 7. Okay. Yeah. That's confusing. And there was meant to be a Troll, p- troll 2 Part 2. Um, right. But they never did it in the end. Yeah, I think it's a shame that um, people think that Troll 2 is like one of the worst films ever, because I, I guess that's only if you've never seen... You know, cheap Italian horror. I think mm. I think the acting is terrible, obviously, but I but I give that a pass even because I think Claudio Fragasso is more used to uh, not caring what the acting on camera was like because it'd all be dubbed later. Mm. But this time, working with an English speaking cast and sync sound. Okay, it's time to move on to this month's theme, and uh, let's get this straight right from the start. That the guy's name is Shyamalan, so I don't want to hear any Shyamalans or Shyamalama Ding Dongs or sorry, how, like do you, how, how do you pronounce it? Shyamalan. Oh, I always thought it was Shyamalan. No, Shyamalan. Shyamalan. So now we've got that sorted out. <laughs> My heart goes shalalalala. <laughs> in the morning. And our first feature this month was M. Night Shyamalan's third film, but his first venture into horror territory. 1999's huge hit, The Sixth Sense. You know the accident up there? Yeah. Someone got hurt. They did? A lady. She broke her neck. Oh my god, but you can see her? Yes. Where is she? Standing next to my window. Did you ever talk to your mom about how things are? I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else, and I don't want her to. I don't want her to know. Know what? I see dead people walking around like regular people. I don't see anything. Are you sure they're there? Sometimes you feel it inside, like you're falling down real fast. You ever feel the prickly things on the back of your neck? Yes. That's them. They get mad. It gets cold. How often do you see them? All the time. 
Several months after being shot by a former patient, a child psychologist tries to do a better job with a strange little boy who can see the ghosts of dead people. Um, obviously, the thing The Sixth Sense is most famous for is its twist ending, which everyone in the whole wide world is aware of by now. But did any of you see it uh, without having been spoiled? Back in uh, yeah, I did. Back in the day, I saw it. I did. I was like, oh no, this has got a, got a twist ending, so don't read too much about it. And I I really liked it watching it and not knowing the twist ending. And um, it's kind of obvious once once it all kind of comes together and you're like, yeah, okay, fine. But then it does mean that any subsequent viewings, you're just going to be like, oh god, it's so obvious. It really is obvious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm. I know. Maybe I was caught up in the magic of cinema when I first saw it, or maybe I just really, really wanted it to be good. I mean, I was ten when I first saw it, so I was an idiot. So it was a huge shock. Right. Um, yeah, my dad, uh, my dad and yeah. I read it on VHS when I was a kid, so that's how I first saw it. I, I remember someone at work spoiled the ending for me before I'd seen it, so I went to see it. And to be honest, I still liked it at the time because I think the late nineties was such a barren time for horror films, well, for pop culture in general, really. Uh, but yeah, I mean. My opinion's changed since mm. then. I mean, it's, it's, it starts with him being shot and then cuts forward a few months and absolutely no reference is made to him having been shot. It just seems mm. blatant, doesn't it? Yeah. And it, it makes no fucking sense. Um, how has he gone all this time not realising that he's dead? Well, because they do, they do sort of explain that if you accept the line, they only see what they want to see. So all that time when he was walking around and nobody was talking to him or noticing him, he didn't really notice because he only saw what he wants to see. For, for how many months? What's he been doing in the interim, though? Has he been yeah. like bothering other children? He's, and they've he's been in the basement like... reading his <laughs> books in Latin. Well, he's obviously yeah. been going to work, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He's got and, a clipboard. No one's... Why has he got a clipboard? Isn't he going, <laughs> how come my boss isn't having one-to-one meetings with me anymore? How, yeah. come I'm not be- how come I'm not being paid anymore? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hungry for two months. What's that about? <laughs> That's the thing. He does. He listens to the uh, recordings of all the other kids he's been with before, and doesn't yeah. he? Th- doesn't he wonder about those as well? But yeah, uh, I don't. He's yeah. able to throw a brick through a window as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. how he's why he thinks it's happened. What about but... when him and when he and um, the kid get on the bus? How many fares does the kid pay? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what, what's he putting down? Like, what's Bruce exactly. Willis putting down when he gets on the bus? Yeah. <laughs> it might be a ghost bus. Uh. And it might have been a ghost brick and a ghost window. <laughs> it's possible. Oh, I, I, I like this film, you guys. No, I, I watched I it again recently and I do still like it. Hasn't anyone walked through him? <laughs> uh, no, go on, go on, Brownie, sorry. Oh, no, I just, uh, I just don't. Uh, if you just like ignore all that, because like if you look look back to when you first saw it, like none of that hits you in the face. <laughs> a week like, ago, a week ago in my case, I'd never seen it. Oh yeah, I suppose yeah. yeah, all right. But like in the nineties when we we're all naive and everything was better, like <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, watching it back is like, oh yeah, that is super obvious. But back mm. then, you were so focused on the storytelling of between him and this kid that you don't really think about anything else, because like that trailer makes it sound a lot more bombastic than it is. It's really like a drama. And then the ghosts happen. About an hour in, he's like, "By the way, I see dead people." Yeah. Um, I, I quite, yeah, I, I quite like that side of it. I think the relationship between the two of them is really good, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, you, you get caught up in it. Atmosphere is good, etc. It's 
you you as the audience are only seeing what you want to see and you want to see yeah, Bruce exactly. Willis, you know, yeah. succeed. You want to see Bruce fucking Willis. Sad Bruce Willis and um, try to forget the um, the opening scene with Donnie Wahlberg in his pants. Why is he in his pants? I don't understand that. Anyway. <laughs> it's probably in his contract. He's like, I want to show off my, uh, my bod. Fair enough. My bod. I didn't recognise him, actually. Um, he's changed a lot between that and the Saw films. Yeah. Yeah. He's changed even more between that and New Kids on the Block. NKOTB, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's not he's not a bad character actor, actually. He's really good. I like I like Danny Wahlberg a lot. Yeah. Uh, Luke, what were you gonna say? No, I just I just I, I do still like it. I watched it again recently. But I do find it odd that his wife still goes for dinner like every single anniversary of his death. And then he still goes there for the dinner and <laughs> acts like he's gonna pay the bill and she just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I always I just found that very confusing, but yeah, just if he is a ghost, I don't understand how he can throw a brick through a window and how he never gets to have the conversation with his wife about why she keeps putting a table in front of the the door for his office, yeah. and she doesn't question why it keeps getting moved. It's, it's yeah. just, it's I mean, I I think at the at the time when I was a Shyamalan apologist, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I probably would have tried to to explain all that by saying that you know the film's themes of communication and breakdown of communication and all this but i find that i, I should probably put this in a bit of context uh, just really quickly because i'm probably not going to say much throughout this podcast for a, for a change <laughs> um but i used to really like him and then i saw split and everything that i ever thought about him just kind of hemorrhaged out of me and now when i watch the films of his that i did enjoy I, I just can't enjoy them and I can't make all the uh, assumptions and fill in all the blanks like I used to. And now I just sort of see these horrible films. And when I watched The Sixth Sense again the other night, it was it was like, I always used to enjoy the fact that he was a very emotional director, which I think is quite unusual for a male auteur. I think normally you have people like, you know, Christopher Nolan, Hitchcock, who are very technical, very like dialed back on the emotion and I used to like that Shyamalan was not like that he was open-hearted and very sensitive but now I watched Sixth Sense and it was like watching a robot who'd learned about human emotions by just watching Disney films and Spielberg films like all of it was just the the, oh, the schmaltz was dialed up so oh. high like the, the music the swelling strings yeah. and everything and it was just so syrupy and yeah. I just found it really really hard to to deal with um it's not really a horror film. It's it's kind of a. I mean, you know, I I enjoy that the the ghost twist comes halfway, but at the same time, it does make you wonder what you're watching for a lot of it. It's it's sort of like a drama that starts off really sad and then ends up really schmaltzy, um, which just isn't really my kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I know I'm I'm like defending this because there's some subconscious part of me is like, you idiot, you chose this, you've got to defend it, but. <laughs> Which is pretty much what's happening. Um, but there are moments, like dealing with death and the loss of loved ones and stuff, like there are stuff where it's like, yeah, I can see that's that's happened to me, only not with mm. a, a string quartet behind me. But there are moments, uh, I, I can't find <laughs> That's the most my argument can go. There are moments <laughs> where it's, uh, it's, it's okay. You know, it is obviously a film about grief and, and dealing with it to some extent. But I, ju- I, I don't know, it's weird how little it affected me when I when I just watched it the other night how, how much I just kind of saw the script rather than the characters so I was just sort of mm. watching M. Night Shyamalan sat at his desk kind of writing something and going ooh yeah 
think that that's a really nice insight into the writing process, by the way. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Check out that semicolon. Um, I, I think six I sense I write. Is, but that well, that, that's how most people write. Um, especially anyway. No, um, and, but I think with with um, six sense, I think that's one of the ones where he gets the feeling stuff. It is schmaltzy, but I think it kind of feels more true and it's just more convincing than in some of the other movies. So that is, I think, the sixth sense is the best one in terms of the way that the sensitive stuff is dealt with. It's still cheesy, but you know, it gets worse from there on in. Some parts are really not com- uh, convincing, like oh, you know, know the but... the woman who's. Um poisoning her daughter mm. oh, oh yeah, yeah. And she's wearing like bright red at the funeral it's like oh that was bizarre why does she wait until she's got the food in the daughter's bedroom and standing right in front of her before adding the poison to it <laughs> <laughs> that was a really weird interlude that whole scene it, it's, it's so, very odd yeah like you, you feel as if it's there to show that he's doing some good with his gift but but yeah. it's so overplayed like it didn't yeah. need to be that extreme to do some good, like, you know, solving the so child popular. murder. Mm. Well, it's something that Shyamalan does a lot. He'll just suddenly throw a new plot point in towards the end that hasn't really been telegraphed and just, yeah, just comes out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, fuck, well, it's a shit writer, is what I'm good at. Oh, hey, uh, Hayley Joel Os- Osment's good, isn't it? He, He's really good. He's good, yeah. He, he gives He's a stunning song. actor. Yeah. Given the shit dialogue yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how he just sort of screws his face up and whispers a lot. I like that. There's a lot. Shyamalan loves whispering. He does, he does. love a whisper. Yeah. Mm. He's like an ASMR director in a way. <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah. I mean, even his name is a bit ASMR, isn't it? <laughs> and he does tell him to he does tell him to whisper to his wife as well. At the end, talk to her in her sleep, and then she whispers back. Yeah. 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 I thought you were talking about Shyamalan. I was like, do, you know? <laughs> do you want to see my new movie? <laughs> When's dinner ready? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I find I found these movies charming, and I, I still do. The only Shyamalan film I'd seen until this month is Split. I didn't like oh. that, um, but having watched all nine of his horror horror adjacent films. Um, I can only imagine that M stands for mediocre. Ooh, Ooh sick bird. Yeah. Meow. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> this kid's got claws. <laughs> I think for, for me, um, going from my like position of really liking him and defending him to suddenly really hating him, uh, I wrote down, uh, if you'll permit the uh, literary allusion, I, uh, I wrote down an Oscar Wilde quote that I think is very true of how I feel about all of his films now, which is... Um, there is always something ridiculous about the emotions of people whom one has ceased to love. Yeah. And that's how I feel about him now, I'm afraid. Mm. You know what else is ridiculous? His fucking acting and his cameos. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, it's the, the worst director cameos I've ever seen. I just My heart sinks every time he, I can see the, his, his head appear. Because he normally starts... <laughs> well, he normally starts with his head... To the back of his head to the camera, and I thought, "Oh no, that's him, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there'll be just this awful, awful bit of fucking acting, if you can call it. He's, he's so bad. Hey, hasn't he realised no one else will, has cast him in anything else? He only, he only gets acting gigs on his own films. 
God, it's like when a comedian who's not very good puts on their own comedy night. Yeah, we've got some. We've had some feedback um, from listeners. Uh, so let's see. Even though he made some stinkers, he also made some masterpieces, Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. So I'm still excited for everything he's releasing. That's from one of the guys at International House of Horrors podcast. Um, huge M Night fan. The Village signs like uh, a few stinkers. The happening lady in the water of shit. But I even really enjoys a visit and split. Looking forward to seeing Glass in a few weeks. That's from the Hey Down in Front podcast. And I saw The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable and The Village and thought, I've got no need to go any further with his filmography and haven't seen anything else he's done. That's Don from the Horror Mafia podcast. So the fact that all our feedback is from other podcasters, I don't know what that says about us. But (laughs) (laughs) if there's anyone out there who's listening who doesn't have their own horror podcast, then let us know. (laughs) I I like to think that means we're the podcaster's podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, talk about Unbreakable next, because that was his next one. Um, this is alright isn't it Unbreakable I've watched it again recently and I, I hate it now oh really mm. yeah I only like about think... one scene in it and that's it which mm. scene um, the whole when he goes to the guy's house with the orange jumpsuit guy like I think that's quite an interesting scene but I think the rest of it is him taking too long to figure out his, his powers that he has that's what, oh yeah. it's very padded out with um, just reiterating the premise isn't it yeah mm-hmm. how many times do we have to hear that he's never had a day off sick yeah it's um yeah that was bothering me as well so I'm like, all right stop showing off fucking hell um but it, it it i like some of the ideas in there but i just think the execution is very ponderous and it's quite humorless as well and also mm. i've thought with that and with the other ones that kind of make up the um the trilogy why didn't he just do this as a comic book because then you wouldn't have as much of the kind of long drawn out stuff and it would be a bit more pacey and you'd be able to accept more of the weird shit because you'd have you wouldn't have to over explain everything don't just have this these like three movies going oh it's like comic book just you know make a comic book i think it's weird because at the time comic book movies weren't really such a thing yeah um so mm. i mean it was really interesting to do i mean i don't think people thought of this as a comic book maybe because no. you don't really realize that it's a superhero thing until yeah. probably at least the, the final third um and in a way it's it's kind of ahead of its time in that respect but in another it just feels really really dated now and really mm. kind of oh we're doing superheroes but serious which is something that's been done in comics since like the since forever anyway. yeah, yeah so, so. i don't know i mean it's it is ponderous very ponderous the camera work is really good mm. yeah I, I love that opening scene with um uh bruce willis's character talking to the woman on the train it's just one long take and the camera pans back and forth between them through the seats in front um there's some nice overhead shots that overhead spinny shot into um elijah's when it, when he was a kid reading the comic or opening the box with the comic in or whatever it is um and it's something that Shyamalan just hasn't done in any other films. Nice mm-hmm. camera work like that. And I wonder if it was all down to his cinematographer on this one, Eduardo Serra, because that's the only time they've worked together. I wonder if it was actually the cinematographer who's responsible for how good Unbreakable looks. It does look better than his other films. Mm. He does. He loves a long pan, doesn't he, M. Night? Every film has a long pan, like every single one. Really? I, I, I didn't notice in the others. Maybe there, may, oh, there might was... well be, but... I watched like three in one go with my mate and I don't think we're mates anymore now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like there was a long pan in every single movie and it was like, bloody hell, M. Night, we get it. You've just discovered dollies. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't think it's unbreakable. I tried to watch this um, twice this month because I really enjoyed it when it came out. Um, I say when it came out, I would have been a small teenager and I remember thinking, this is really cool, this is really great. And then I tried rewatching it twice this month uh, and I fell asleep both times. It's just a bit long, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And it, it does that thing of um, just throwing in, like it suddenly turns into a serial killer film at the end. Yeah, absolutely no mm. preparation. Just like it's like he's gone. I, I need to have some sort of ending. I know, serial killer, yeah. uh, serial killer fight by a swimming pool, because <laughs> because water is bad <laughs> for David. So you have to have you have to have him being thrown into wall, into a swimming pool. It's so it's so think- badly written. <laughs> it's, it's writing so shit. Have we spoken about Unbreakable before? No, I think so. No. No. I, I just didn't remember doing my Mr. Glass impression. I oh, really? I don't remember yeah. that. I think I would. You're going to have oh, okay. to do it now. Yeah, do yeah. your Mr. Glass oh, okay. impression. They call me Mr. Glass! <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done that before. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Episode 14. Episode 14. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was me laying the seeds. That was my twist because I knew in a year's time I would choose M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> Mind wow. blown! Oh, Emily, you had uh, the visit as your low that month. That's uh, that's probably why we we're talking about it. Uh, <laughs> so shit. <laughs> so shit. I fucking hate the visit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I don't mind what order we talk about these things in. Shall we move on to the visit then? Uh, oh, it's so bad. Decent premise, but executed very badly. Yeah. Just the wrapping children at the end. <laughs> yeah, oh, fucking hell. Forgotten about that. <laughs> Those kids. People complain about Bob in House by the Cemetery being an annoying child, but fucking what they call Becca and Tyler in the visit are so... Uh, Becca and Tyler. <laughs> and again, the writing is terrible, because, like, what? what's the point? I mean, the, I know what the point in the end is of um, Tyler's fear of dirt. Right, so oh, he's, he's got this yeah. germ phobia, fear Jason of dirt. Nappy. Yeah, he's happy to play hide and seek under the house in the all the mud down there. Doesn't make any sense. They keep going on about how they haven't got any internet access out in the countryside. Yet they're constantly skyping their mum. How the fuck does that work? <laughs> it's bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's it's really tough with M Night Shyamalan because because he's such an up and down director in terms of how his films are received and, and even the style of his films, like they're all very much him, but he does a lot of different genre stuff. And this came off the back of two of his most elaborate, like sci-fi fantasy movies, the, the last airbender and, and after mm-hmm. earth, which, which are obviously utter balls. And I think I, I, I went to see a special screening of the visit with Shyamalan there. Um, and I think, I was so hyped that he'd done a Blumhouse movie and that he was going back to horror. I actually quite enjoyed it. Like I sat and watched it. I thought, well, at least that was pretty simple. It was like a really straightforward Twilight Zone episode, but with added shit getting rubbed in people's faces, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> and, and he seemed really, really lively. Like at the Q&A, he seemed like he was really into it and just kind of getting a delight out of making this slightly gross um, twisty horror film. And, and I really enjoyed it, but I cannot to watch it again because the more I think about it the more I think yeah it's probably a really 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 bad film and I think I just got a bit carried away um, and I, I don't know also once you know the twist I'm, I'm conscious that there's probably not actually much of a story there because um, mm. this one really more, more than all the others even though I think they've all got a twist this one probably rests more on its twist there's a sort of kid sci-fi book that I remember reading when I was very young and 
the whole cut co- in in that one you've got like a creepy grandma that turns out to be an alien who is malevolent mm-hmm. etc and there's something to be done with kids and how they get freaked out by older people yeah and if they'd done something with that and then sort of i don't know that they could there's something more interesting could have happened with this film but um instead nah you just remind me of bill and ted's bogus journey they do it better which one next uh, should we go back to signs <clears throat> it wasn't exactly topical crop circles in 2002 was it i think he really no. missed the boat with that oh. <laughs> i don't know man like, i saw that as, i remember seeing it at the cinema um and really enjoying that um it is heavy on the schmaltz. Like watching it as an adult, I got diabetes. But mm. <laughs> there's um, there's moments that are that are generally creepy. Like when they're in the basement and uh, the aliens are trying to get in, um, the coal shed and the fingers and all sorts. Um, it's got some quite funny scenes. So mm. that's all right. Um, I like that, like them sitting around with the tinfoil hats. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's just, it's badly written. All it comes down to really is a story about a baseball player who is really good, but also really shit at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of coming to, <laughs> sort Come of having a redemption arc. Yeah, that's all it is really. That's the whole the whole point of the film. Um, yeah. And Mel Gibson's character is supposed to be the lead, but he doesn't really do much in the ending. He's the one who doesn't have much of an arc, apart from becoming a fucking priest again. Give, mm. Yeah, I wish he had become a priest face. again. That was a bit mm. much. Um, I, I can can I tell my slightly amusing science story? Yeah, yes. Go on. I uh, I went to see it at the cinema when it came out, and I was obviously a lot younger then. Uh, and I'd just say that as a responsible adult, I wouldn't do this. But at the time, um, I dabbled with the occasional marijuana cigarette, <laughs> uh, a jazz bag. Yeah, no, and no, I. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it. shut down. <laughs> well, you know, let me just state for for <laughs> for the record, it's it's something I did a long time ago. I didn't inhale, um, but anyway, I uh, so I went to see signs and I got stoned um, and came home, got more stoned, passed out, and then there was an earthquake in Birmingham that night. Uh, they, they, for real, it wasn't uh, imagined. There was genuinely an earthquake in Birmingham where I lived, and. I woke up, like the whole flat was shaking and I was still baked. And I was convinced it was aliens because I'd just watched signs. And I would not leave the bed for about five hours. And all the, the lights outside had gone off. And when the street lights finally came back in, I was convinced that was the aliens taking off. <laughs> they were outside and leaving. So signs really shit me up. <laughs> just say no, kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but watching it now, yeah, it's... Um, questionable like there's some really good scenes as, as brownie says the, the stuff in the cellar is really strong i think but it's just i wish you kept it a lot simpler just you know how a family responds to an alien invasion is a scary story mm-hmm. it's a it's a good story it doesn't need all the symbolics that he mm-hmm. throws in um about you know i mean the fucking stuff with the wife and the you know her yeah. telling him things that'll come up later it's oh yeah, yeah. luke fan of signs i liked it when i first saw it i still think the whole when they go to the news report in i can't remember where it is i think it's meant to be mexico and the alien walks past mm-hmm. i still think that's i still think that's an effective scene great scene but i do think it's a very hacky movie now with the whole the little girl doesn't like to drink the water because it's got dust in so she leaves all the glasses <laughs> around the house and oh, the m night Shyamalan cameo again oh. 
Uh, is he's the one that killed Mel Gibson's wife. Like he had to throw himself in the film for that, <laughs> just for him to have an alien in his cupboard, food cupboard, to then <laughs> cut off the. F- yeah, I just hate that. Just, At least yeah. they didn't. He didn't cast himself as the wife in the flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't. Um, I didn't rewatch that one recently because I'd had enough of um, Shyamalan. Um, I don't remember an awful lot about it, other than the fact that the twist is a bit silly and, um, well, you know. And it, it's kind of a bit of a rip-off of War of the Worlds, really, as in, you know, oh, aliens, yeah. are, but there's, a, there's an ordinary thing on Earth that kills them, the end. Um, water again. But evil evil water. I mean, what, what's he got against water? That's what I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. In glass, there, of course, has to be an enormous tank of water outside of, of, course, the, uh, yeah. of the hospital. Just, which, so which, that, they, which they have a lengthy shot of, just in case you get like, oh, is that a water tower? Yeah. I wonder if that's going to come in anywhere. Yeah. Any point. <laughs> but I wonder if anyone's ever asked him that in an interview or something. But excuse me, what have you got against oh, water? I'm sure I'm sure they <laughs> have. I mean, talking about those flashbacks with the wife, as soon as I finished watching Signs, I watched the um, that scene in Scary Movie 3. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah. I thought that yeah, as well. Yeah. It was parodying. It so just funny. tears it apart, doesn't it? Every time it went to the news shot, I did think of that bit in Scary Movie when the alien, it's just a guy in a costume going, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. I don't know. I think there's some, some good writing-ish in this one. I think that the scenes in the family are very good. Mm. Um the scene that stuck with me was the scene where they're having all the dinner and then Mel Gibson gets very angry and eats all the food and then the kids start crying and then he starts crying. Like my, my mum passed away when I was quite young and my dad pretty much did Mel Gibson um, reactions. Mm. My dad oh. did Mel Gibson uh, to get over it. <laughs> wow. Like, it was like, yeah. <laughs> it worked for him, you know. Um, so is that why Mel Gibson's so angry these days? Yeah, he's so angry. <laughs> Fuck your, your dad. Your dad broke his heart, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be much nicer if it wasn't for your dad just saying, I'm sorry, no, it's not working. And I was like, I'm so angry, I'm going to become really sexist and anti-Semitic. Oh, it's a tragic love story. Anyway. It's tragic. So um, you're talking um, about um, Shama, at least he didn't cast himself as a wife. No, but in Lady in the Water, he cast oh, himself fuck. as... Yeah. <laughs> the most brilliant writer in the world oh who saves everything. Oh my God, that yeah. fucking film. Oh, it's oh, so bad. Oh, it's bad. It's awful. It's about this kind of mermaidish kind of woman called Story, and she's looking oh. for a writer who'll help her get back to her home planet or whatever. And like does he fuck the story? Is this um, what happens? Well, he, yeah, Shyamalan turns out to be this amazing writer. He's having a bit of beef with a film critic who's just moved into the apartment block who <laughs> doesn't understand his work, or doesn't understand <laughs> films properly. Oh, it's so bad. It's a total waste of Paul Giamatti, who is normally really, really good. There's a couple of scenes in, in this film that are just like... Are they Did they make this for a dare? Because it's... Yeah. Oh, God. But it's so up its own ass. And it started, I believe, as a as um, Shyamalan writing a story for um, for his kids, which yeah. sometimes that can create great things. Like Watership Down, that was started when the author was um, t- um, doing long car journeys with his kids. I mean, that's a, it's a brilliant story, the whole kind of like scary Nazi rabbit mythos. Whereas Shyamalan's kids get this. It's just, oh, it's not fair. <laughs> I'm sure they say that before they go to, before they get sent to their rooms. Why couldn't you have been the rabbit guy? <laughs> Why did you do the creepy naked woman? And on the, um, on the, um, on the, the, the um, scary flat wolf creatures, aren't they called something that sounds like a swear word, but isn't? They're called like glunts. Scrunts. Scrunts. <laughs> what a slunt. 
Fucking slut, yeah. What I can't. Yeah. And that, that bit with the um, interpreter, as he's called, because everyone's got these really fucking important uh, roles in the film, and yeah. the, the interpreter um, just looks at a row of cereal boxes and then, like, decrypts them as if they're Egyptian hieroglyphs. Yeah. And reveals how to get this mermaid woman back, the nymph, back home. Oh, it's so bad. It's a scene where uh, Paul Giamatti has to pretend to be a child for some reason <laughs> to hear the version of the story. Isn't he, isn't he like gobbing milk or ice cream all over himself? And I'm just like, <laughs> this is like something, like an outtake from a Lars von Trier film that didn't happen. It's also it's like a fever dream. Yeah. It really, fuck? yeah. It's, oh, it is, but it's a very, very boring it's, it's one. Not, and, it's not a fun oh, fever okay. dream. And every, everyone, uh, everyone constantly talks in whispers in it yeah. as if it's the most, as if it's so, so important. So it's because you know, they were ashamed, so that's why loud. they whisper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying this, but not in a normal volume. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what do you want to talk about next? Got a few more. Anything see, but Shyamalan. <laughs> well, uh, so we've got The Village. Yeah, let's, let's do the village. Oh, so bitch. shit. Like even uh, even at my height of Shyamalan apologism, I could not defend the village. Like that is the the worst of his. Oh, there's a movie and a twist films. Like there's yeah. nothing in this film. Like nothing. It's a totally. And, uh, you can totally see it coming as well. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah but you totally can. But I think this is another one where if it was the premise, if the premise has got something good in it, but it, I might just be excusing it because I love everything that's folk horror which it kind of mm. gets. You kind of get the feeling well, that that's the way it's going to go for a lot of it. But it's yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm not into that kind of rural backwards community drama kind of stuff. You know, so so I, I was already like not on board just from the setting. But um, there's some good performances in it. Yeah, there's some nice shots of trees. And uh, <laughs> Bryce, uh, Bryce Dallas, the trees act the fuck out of it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard is genuinely quite good in it, I think. Um, is Adrian Brody about 50, but playing oh, as 15? Yeah, that's. Uh, oh, God, no. let's not talk He's, about Adrian he's Brody, really like, embarrassing in this. That is <laughs> so I think it actually ruined Adrian Brody for me seeing him in this because all mm. I could see is, is like village idiot for forever. So it was just horrible. <laughs> that was questionable at best. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, I felt very uncomfortable watching his performance. Yeah. In this film. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. Oh no, no, baby, no! Oh no, what is he doing? <laughs> like... Is it me, or across the board, does Shyamalan have quite a curious approach to mental health? He does, yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I, I don't want to go as far as to say problematic because I'm I'm over forty, so I can't really use that term. But I think, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I find by myself... all means segue into talking about Split at this. Point. Well, Split, Split yeah. was what was what really did it for me. Like watching mm. Split, I suddenly thought, oh my god, you're a dickhead. Like I liked things about <laughs> him a lot prior to that film, and, and after that, I just I can't forgive him. I hated it. I hated it so much. I can't remember ever hating a film. As also, much as he Split. he nicked the well. It's it's not an original idea, but the serial killer in that in um the comic do in the comic book series Doom Patrol. Doom, yeah. There's a character called Crazy Jane who's got multiple yeah. personalities. Except she's one of the one of the heroes, one of the interesting characters. I mean, that I suppose you could you could say that is problematic too. But to kind <sighs> but, of have 
this is it felt oh. it felt very different when Grant Morrison yeah. wrote it though it felt like he was coming mm. from a place of understanding and yeah it's from a place whereas... of understanding and compassion whereas with this it's just like hey look at the, yeah, look at the freaky I mean... man and it's an excuse for James McAvoy to basically do his audition oh, tape look how hell, many yeah. accents yeah. I can do oh god he was so bad like oh just ham 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 too much ham um, which was which do you think was the worst one of the personas the child the child yeah my name's Hedwig and I wear red fur fuck off slightly creepy posh English woman that was quite effective but he does let it down by wearing quite a bad scarf at one point I think he should have just done every character in a different regional English accent (laughs) (laughs) I think it would work then fuck with the Americans yeah Yeah. Uh, Luke Uh, I liked the first the first time I saw it was a a sort of Odeon screen unseen so I didn't know what film I was seeing and they showed Split and I sort of liked it but then when I think more about it I do just think it's a bad film and I, I don't think the Beast is a scary character just the voice he puts on for the beast is just <laughs> ridiculous. It it's is. not fright- frightening in the slightest. And they think, oh, he's climbing walls. But it's like we've seen that so many times before. Mm. Yeah. But it just, was- it just wasn't effective. Why does he always have to get naked whenever he's the beast? <laughs> yeah, it's just a same thing. And then well, for the posh English the woman. Incredible Hulk thing, isn't it? Because otherwise he'd just tear all his clothes out. <laughs> well, it's only a few veins that he gets, like on his arms. That's about it. It's just the the, um, the sort of the nudity thing when you've got. I mean, I don't want to jump too jump ahead too much, but with with Glass, where you've got him kind of going in and out of different personas, it means that he's beast, not beast, beast, not beast. So you've got him naked, not naked, naked, not naked. I mean, who's seen Glass? I have, yeah. Yeah, you you have, I have. Anyone else seen? No, no, I've, 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 yep. I've drawn Luke, a line yeah. under it now. I'm not watching any more of his films. Split. Was, no, fair, was fair enough. Night. I mean, uh, Glass is just pointless. Yeah. Uh, I watched it last night, and it's yeah. horrible. Perhaps the thing I have the most problem with Shyamalan's scripts are the third acts are always shit. Mm. And being a sequel to both Unbreakable and Split, it's just like a continuation of the third act. It's like so it's fact. shit all the way through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um again with that one I kind of I, I liked it slightly more than Split. I think that might be just be because I like Samuel L. Jackson's shiny evil man suit that he wears at the end, where he looks like a sort yeah. of Cadbury's dairy milk wrapper, but yeah, <laughs> crossed with shaft, which is a, which is a strong look. But I think that it also it does the um it, again it's one of those ones where you think this might have been quite interesting if you'd worked with someone else to make it into a comic book. Mm. Yeah, how many times does Elijah, Mr. Glass, have to say, this is just like in the comic books? Yeah. And then Sarah Paulson, who is normally great, but doesn't really have much to do in in Glass, just kind of goes, no, it's it's not like comic books. Comic books are the Is she the psychologist? She's the psychologist, yeah. Her hair and makeup is so bad. Do you know who she reminded me of? You know the corpse in um, Black Sabbath and the drop of of water? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. She does wear a very nice coat in some scenes, though. So offsetting that, but so that's okay. But she, yeah, she's just—it's just a very kind of blank performance. She doesn't get a lot to do, but a lot of it is just—you could basically cut it down to ten minutes of people going, "This is like a comic book." No, it isn't. It's like a comic book. No, it isn't. And then James McAvoy naked and shouting in a number of different accents. (laughs) And Bruce Willis looks a bit sad. Um, Luke, what do you think of the fact that it builds up this um, big end battle in the skyscraper that never actually happens? In the oh. end? Do you think? Do you think that's good? Do you think that's clever to make no. you expect that? Or? No. It seemed like he tried to make a high budget film, but then when you look at the fight at the end, they have mm. about 
eight SWAT team members fighting, yeah. <laughs> and it just looks like someone has made a low-budget film on a high production yeah, and hasn't been garden. able to get a big cast. <laughs> you know why that is? They spent all the money on Samuel Jackson's shiny suit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, M. Night cameoing himself again to be oh, like, hey, guys, do you, do you remember my character in Unbreakable? Well, I'm, in, I'm the same character in this film. Yeah, oh, fucking hell, yeah. Yeah, and, and you have... Isn't he in Split as well? Um, he's, uh, I think he's at the zoo at the end. Yeah, I think he yeah, appears. Yeah, because he just briefly goes, I used to be a bad guy and do drugs and that, but then I turned my life around. Good for you. <laughs> what is the point of this cameo? <laughs> they have, the stupidest thing is, they want, M. Night wants people to be like, hey, you remember these characters from Unbreakable? But he has the, the guy from the comic book store in mm. Unbreakable cameo in this again in the same comic book shop. It's like, no one cares about that character <laughs> no. we were really waiting for his art to close <laughs> at least in the scene in unbreakable there's a good pixie song playing while he's he's there and yeah all he does is just kind of again explain to people what comic books are and then periodically Ooh. shout at people going you better not be wanking at the back of the comic book store and they're like we're not and, okay fine as you were shannon loves to do that he loves to tell you what he's doing all the time yes like, yeah. there's always a character on board to go do you see what the director's doing? It's yeah. so clever. And that makes it feel a lot less clever than it otherwise would. Yeah. And it's, Split was full of that with the kind of pop psychology garbage that he kept mm. spouting, which only made it feel worse because it was trying to legitimise the absolute nonsense of, of the film. It was ugh, horrible. I think the worst thing he does as well is because, you know, the character Hedwig is meant to be really into rap music. Mm, M. Oh, Night, M, M. Night has to show that he's somehow researched rap music to show mm. that Hedwig's oh. into these rappers. I'm into Drake now. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Drake is my main man. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, so bad. <laughs> so cringe. Uh, and he, he does some dance singing glass as well, I think, doesn't he? A bit of... Yeah. It's, I thought he did a bit of dancing. Dancing in Split. Oh, he does, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had had managed to suppress that until you just brought it up. Sorry. (laughs) Traumatised all over again. We're all here to to heal, CJ. It's fine. (laughs) All right, so the one we haven't talked about so far is the one that Bryony picked as our second feature from 2008. Yes! Yes! Fucking yes! 2008, it's the happening. (laughs) There appears to be an event happening. It's some kind of attack. The first stage is loss of speech. Claire. Claire? The second stage is physical disorientation. The third stage is fatal. Attacks are spreading. Boston, Philadelphia, Maryland. It's all over the country. Authorities are now feeling that a terrorist group being responsible is becoming less and less likely. She says everyone's dead outside. Could this really be happening? A mysterious phenomenon starts to spread across the USA. <laughs> yeah! I'm just laughing Causing... that they managed to get the word happening in the trailer twice. Sorry. <laughs> oh, they say it about 50 times. They the do, film. yeah. <laughs> well, a mysterious phenomenon starts to spread across the USA, causing people to suddenly stop what they're doing and kill themselves. Can a lonely <laughs> science teacher keep out of danger and figure out what's causing it? And I enjoyed, yes! 
Oh, I enjoyed the fact that he is just a science teacher. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's just like no specialism. Just that's, that's how Shyamalan thinks the, the world works. You know? And there's, there's that scene where there's the kid in his class and he's just like, hey, you're handsome, Billy, but one day your face will get old. <laughs> Do science. <laughs> Yes. And, the, and, this, and, oh, and, and the science teacher says, ah, but the thing about theories in science is that they're just theories. No, that's yeah. not what theories in science are. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear my, my Marky Mark impression? Do it. Please. Did you guys hear about the bees in New York in the New York Times? So the bees are dying out and no one knows why. It's a theory. It's a theory, <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> I love this film. I love this film. It is a lot of fun. Um, oh, God. It's I, my favourite so of is, the... This, litany of shit that I've had to watch this morning. Oh, I do man. like uh, Marky Mark's permanently confused little face. No! Oh. <laughs> Be scientific, douchebag! Um, everything about this film I adore because it's so shit. Mm. I watched it with my mate and we were just howling the whole way through. It's so bad. And Gooey Bechamel is just so, so stoned in the whole thing. She is, yeah. Uh, I've never seen Zoe Deschanel in anything before, um, but those first couple of scenes she's in, like especially the one where she's looking at the phone ringing and not, yeah. wanting, not wanting to pick it up, and the, the acting she does with her eyes, it's like she's the female Nick Cage. And I was like, I love this woman. She's she's amazing. I want to see everything she's done. It's funny. We've all we've all been in that stage with Zoe Deschanel where it's like, oh my god, I love you. I want to see everything. I want to buy everything you're advertising. I want to get all your records. And then eventually, you do, and you regret it. <laughs> but uh, she doesn't have much to do in the rest of the film because it's all about bloody Mark Wahlberg's character and you know the important science man rather than. Rather than her character, she feels guilty because she went out for dessert with someone. That's that's she her. Illicit tiramisu. Yeah, tiramisu. Yeah. I wondered if that was a euphemism for the longest I, time, but now I don't think it was. Well, what's the completely superfluous bottle of cough syrup then? If it's a euphemism, I love the piece. <laughs> <laughs> that's a blowjob. I, oh man, I, I I feel so conflicted on the happening because if you ever Google the happening and in defence yeah. of, uh, you will get a very 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 long, very earnest piece of writing by me about how it is a misunderstood <laughs> masterpiece and just all manner of uh, superlatives about how great Shyamalan is for making it. Hmm. So what's what's the angle that you took when you wrote the article? Uh, I took that it was about depression um, and about the spectre of the urge to self-harm being ever-present and how sometimes the chaos and the noise of the world gets too much and it creeps up on you. And um, ah, if you you go and Google the article, I I thought that I'd managed to put together a very coherent mm. reading of it, um, where it where it made perfect sense. I found it very moving. Um, and I can't, I can't, I should have done before what before recording this, but I can't bring myself to rewatch it now that I have had my sort of inverse Damascene conversion <laughs> on, on Shyamalan because I can't bear to hate the happening because I loved it so much. <laughs> uh, but I'm so scared that if I watch it now, I'm going to just find it so funky. And, and That's oh. quite, that is an interesting reading of it though, because there, I mean, for all of the, me, me watching it and going, her oh, lemon drink lady, this film's really silly. There are a couple of bits, like the bits with the people where you've got like multiple people hanging themselves. Mm. that genuinely are very yeah. chilling and I can see I can see where you're coming from I can but see where that reading comes from I, I think I found even some of the silly dialogue uh, is quite chilling because you, the way that it's shot and the way that it's uh, acted I don't know sometimes things feel so intense that when mm. people are talking to you they just feel like gibberish it's like you have to you have to check what people have said because it's like what 
did you really say that? And, and, and the happening She's has mean. that kind of atmosphere, that sort of mounting anxiety and just like the, the scene where he does that thing, which admittedly is hilarious, where, he, where he's like, just give me a goddamn minute. And, and, it, and it's just, mm. but you really feel it like that sort mm. of everybody is talking at once and it's such garbage that they're talking. And, and it feels, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think there's a way of watching it where, where it can be quite an intense film. But yeah, so you I'm can not... sort of feel that if you're if it's kind of representation of being in a weird place and feeling slightly off with the world. Then, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think everything around Mark Wahlberg is trying to convince him to, to kill himself. Like when they go to that show home and everything is plastic and fake mm. and he's he's kind of like it's nothing is real. And, and I don't know. It's kind of like the world is suddenly telling him that everything that he thought was wrong. Uh, and there's no point, and he's trying to save himself from that uh, chaotic line of thinking. I, I don't know. It made it made sense when I sat and wrote it all down. Um, possibly now, if I watched the film, uh, I would feel differently. I'll tell you what, CJ. I did forward that um, article to my mate, who I watched it with, and he was like, "I agree with everything he says." <laughs> <laughs> everything he's just summed up everything i feel about that movie i'm like really wow. really okay but um so so you sp- it spoke to my mate sam um big oh, oh. up sam <laughs> but, i don't know i i really enjoyed this film because it is fucking stupid <laughs> but it does it does have its moments I'm, I'm trying to defend it but mostly it's just a really enjoyable silly film mm. the scenes of the guys um the guy basically feeding himself to lions uh, Which yeah, is, that's really yeah. good. Yeah, that's really good, and it's also and the guy who lay, lays down in front of the giant lawnmower yeah, as well. Lawnmower, yeah, and it's the biggest lawnmower ever. It's like the same size yeah. as the house, and it's, it's <laughs> but it's also it is also unsettling. So you oh, kind of go, <laughs> and then afterwards go. And I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was actually quite a good film um, because of things like that. I didn't think it was too stupid at all, but I can see why why you'll think it why you think it's silly. Um, because of, because of their fucking dialogue mainly because Jarvan <laughs> can't write dialogue, um, but and 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 also the other thing is that that fucking talking tube between the two houses that's such a fucking Shyamalan thing to do. Just yes. like here, here, here's here's something that's just been mentioned ten minutes ago. All they're using it now. It's it's uh, he can't engineer storylines properly. If if his characters are trapped in a situation, he'll write the. Uh, the solution there and then they'll use the solution immediately it, it's not built into the they, it's they, they cut the table in half two halves make a hole so they climb through the hole in the wall it's pretty much that kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah luke what do you think of uh happening uh watched it many times when i was in university because they had i bought it from poundland uh yeah. right? poundland had their own limited edition front cover for it with the car doors open um i think <laughs> I think I think the opening <laughs> was it like lenticular? Yeah, it was lenticular sleeve for it. Oh, cool. um, I've never seen that. I think that opening when people were falling off the building. I think that's an effective bit, mm. but I think the rest of it is. It's one of those so bad it's good. It's it's not one that you watch it and you, you, it drains on you and you think it's absolutely terrible. I think it's it's still a fun watch, especially the scene with Mark Wahlberg having to speak to the old woman who thinks he's going to kill her. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's a great movie. And M. Night cameoing himself again by driving off in a car at one point <laughs> is, is terrible as well, yeah. Have you seen the um, the blooper reel for this film? Because there's one scene where Mark Wahlberg is actually like kind of arguing with M. Night about the logic of the scene. He's like, <laughs> but why would, we, why would we be at the house that's all boarded up looking for fresh food? 
And I'm like, oh, Donnie, Marky, whatever you are, just go with it, just go with it. Wow. With it. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's so good. It must be so hard to explain a film like that, though. I mean, I, even if if I park my Shyamalan skepticism for a minute, if I think of him as this like genius who's written this script, I can't imagine explaining it to actors uh, like what your vision is and and what you're trying to do with it. Um, and especially Mark Wahlberg, who I get the impression is pretty much a fucking walking potato. Like, <laughs> I don't know, it must be difficult to direct him. Uh, it's an interesting performance. I, I think I'd like to think Shyamalan got what they what got what he wanted out of Marky Mark. But um, and it does the same thing as Signs. It's, it's it's like let's just sit somewhere until this all blows over. So we don't actually see anything. There's no fucking. It just ends. The problem just ends off screen. But, but, that's, but that, but that's, but that's life, isn't it? But it's anticlimactic. It's not. It's not any good. I think Mark, Marky Mark's character goes on a on a journey. The Personal complete, journey. Yeah. yeah. yeah on, on the train. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've sort of ended on a high. I think. Uh, let's play scary noises. <laughs> So, um, six pairs of movie clips to identify, and one half of each pair is from an M. Night Shyamalan film. Buzzers and shakers and noisemakers at the ready. And, and bells, of course. And, and Luke's book of farts. <laughs> You're coming in here with your two lows and your book of farts. There's, there's, te- there's ten farts to pick from. Oh, wow. right. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's choose our favourite. That's a good one. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's just someone doing it with a mouth. <laughs> For fart six, call 0834 <laughs> and add 06. This is um. This is the highbrow content I'm <laughs> yes. <to> here for. <laughs> Can we have number two, please? Let's have use number two. I think that comes across very, very clearly. Yeah, that's the one. Great. All right. Good. Classic. Here's nice. your first pair of scary noises. If you pull that trigger, I'm going to leave. Do you understand? I'm going to go to New York. You're right. Yes, Emily. Dialogue is unbreakable. It is. Don't know what the music is. What I do with this, Luke, is if I if I get one right um, in one area, I get so excited about it, I, I don't pay attention to the rest of the things. So. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get the music, um, Luke? No, I couldn't. I couldn't get the music. No. All right. Okay. So for CJ and Brian E, uh, yeah, the music to identify. If you pull that trigger, I'm going to leave. Do you understand? I'm going to go to New York. You're right. If you pull that trigger. That bullet is just going to bounce off me and I'm not going to be hurt. But then I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to pack and I'm going to leave for New York. Because I thought we were just starting to be friends for real. Uh, yeah. It sounded a bit like Luke's Book of Farts. <laughs> I really, really recognise it, but not enough to, to name it, unfortunately. Oh, but it's, it's, it's got to be one of those ones where you say it and I'm going to be like, ah, fuck. So, you know, let's do this. All right. It's uh, 
Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah. Fuck, yes. Yeah. Annihilation. Okay, yeah. there's number two. Master, please do it. You're the only one who can do it. Huh? You get that? <laughs> yes, yeah, CJ. It's the music from The Visit. It's not. Oh, bollocks. Do you want to say it fun on the dialogue? I, I didn't even catch that. I got no. overexcited and confused. Right. <laughs> uh, Emily and Luke, music and uh, dialogue to identify. Master, please do it. You're the only one who can do it. Huh? You get that serious? <laughs> Master, if it's common snake, I can deal with it. But this is a big boa. Only you can handle it. I can. Yeah, yeah. Master, you must help us. You can get rid of that boa for us, then my boss will give you a lot of money. No. No. <laughs> I can't get it. I know what the music's from. Yeah. But yeah, what it's from it? Split. It was from Split. Oh, I knew it was one of those. That's the music that um, Hedwig does his dance to. Yeah. Uh, and the dialogue was from Calamity of Snakes. Uh, the other films we've given you film poisoning. Indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, number three. They think I'm sweet like him. One girl looked at me like I was a Hershey. Luke. I've got, I, know the, I know the music is us. It is us, yeah. yeah. Dialogue? Is the dialogue um, the shit rap from the end of the visit? Yes. Uh, well, it's not one from the end, but it is one of the... Yeah. yeah. So you get a bonus point. So that's three points there. So you're on four nil so at the moment. I was, I was getting confused between the shit dance from Split and the shit rap from the visit. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'll just play it through because I think it's, it sounds quite good. They think I'm sweet like him. One girl looked at me like I was a Hershey. I'm bored. Her name was Angie. A few tall girls, they just look at me blankly. Uh. So here's the thing you gotta understand about me. I got more rounds than a beehive has beats. So it didn't surprise confuse or make me sick for heaven's sake. When I hope I ain't go with the balance disorder, said you remind me of a pineapple upside down cake. Ho! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck right off. <laughs> Kids say the funniest so, things. <laughs> <laughs> so, halfway, 4-0 to Emily and Luke. Here's number four. They tell you everything in this book. Just are probably very small, like my height. Because as the brain's developed, there's no use for physical development. It also says they're probably vegetarians, because they would have realised the benefits of such a diet. Who wrote this book? Scientists have been persecuted for their beliefs. And these are unemployed. If I can make fun of it, then forget it. No. Ooh. I think it's Macaulay Culkin, but I can't remember. That music is really familiar. Mm. Is it? Is the music from The Howling 2? No, it's not. I sort of know why you say that, though. It does sound like the thing where the woman pulls her shirt open at the end credits. It, yeah, it? the pale, pale oh. moon. I, I couldn't really make it out. But... That is yeah, a no. banging tune, that. It is a banging um, tune. The music was from Jason Takes Manhattan. <sighs> and the dialogue was from Signs. Uh, you were oh, it was, oh, it was another it, Culkin. So it's yeah. just Rory Culkin. Yeah, yeah. Rory, yes. Wow, yeah. You've, you've got a good ear for Culkins. That's Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> the Culkin spotter. Uh, no. I'm not Shyamalan's the Culkin spotter. <laughs> <laughs> call me Mr. Culkin spotter. What's the twist? What's the, what would the twist be at the end of the Culkin spotter? <laughs> It's that everybody in it is M. Night Shyamalan doing an awkward cameo. <laughs> oh, I would not watch that. Number five. Who am I speaking with? Mary got a china doll from her mommy, and we can't find it now. No, princess, I haven't seen it. 
maybe Billy knows where your China doll is. Oh, silly, silly. <laughs> Princess, tell me what happened on Christmas 22 years ago in Lowell. Oh, CJ? Easy, Silent Night, Deadly Night, the dialogue. No. Anyone got anything? Nope. Quite a tough one, actually. Uh, the music's Lady in the Water, and mm. the dialogue was from Session 9. Oh, wow. I was way off. I don't even remember that from session nine. The final one then. Andropite! Andropite! Dr. Sherrick! Who can found guilty of heinous crimes against God and man? This is it torture! Ryan! Is the music the happening? Yes! Yay! That's what I. Do you want to guess at the dialogue? No. Is it, is it something like Mark of the Devil? No. Um, no, I mean, no, it isn't. Um, uh, Emily and Luke, get the dialogue here then. Uh, can you can you get the dialogue here? That's what I'm going to say. Andropite! Andropite! Dr. Sherrick! Who have been found guilty of heinous crimes against God and man. This is it torture and the murder of this innocent child. Within sight of her sister. You have no authority to pass judgment on me! No. No. Difficult one. That's from Superstition, aka The Witch. Scores there then. 4 1 to Emily and Luke. Ah, new killer team on the block. And with that, it's almost time to say M. Night Night for another month. You can send us messages on Facebook, Twitter and Letterboxd and we'd love to hear what you think of the show. Even nicer if you could quickly rate and review on iTunes or give us a like on SoundCloud. We were a bit late getting uh, getting together for this recording, so later this month we'll be back with another episode. Emily has picked Jalo Classics as our theme and our features will be Deep Red and uh, whatever our scary noises winners want to choose for the other features so uh well emily you've picked deep red already luke yeah luke. what what classic jalo would you like I, i'm gonna go with uh don't torture a duckling good one yeah so deep red and don't torture a duckling are our features next month and with that we're out of here see you next time and thanks for listening <laughs>